The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. I like your ring. I think that your eyebrows look lovely. I'm only getting a glimpse of your hair, but it looks lustrous and uh, very nice color. You know, your smile brings me joy. <laughs> You're a goober. <laughs> I knew I I knew there was a reason I was the head of your fan club. <laughs> was that was that what it was? One of the coolest things that I've ever been able to you know get out of all this kind of weird molecule of relationships out there in the gaming uh, industry and our media arm and our conventions and all that stuff is a picture of my D&D group in the back of an adventure module. <laughs> that was freaking badass. It was a good wow. session. Yes, it was fun. It was really great having you here. If you are uh, joining us for this evening's show, we're talking to Ryan Nock. Uh, do we still say Ryan Nock of Ian Publishing? Is that the best way to do it? Works for me, of yeah. Ian, Ian Publishing fame? <laughs> there is not like a formal staff that I'm on. like, but yeah. Right, you are a staff of one. Yeah, I gotcha. The, the, you, you, I, don't, I don't know. I, I guess that's not entirely true either. Either, obviously, but no, no uh, they have a bunch of people who work there. No, like just um, okay. Uh, Ian Publishing is a company in England that is run by Russell Morrissey, who runs the website En World, which is sort of a gaming news and like you know message board chat place. And uh, for the past, you know, it never it never occurred to me how weird it would be if any of our listeners didn't actually know about that. But it's been around a while, and people don't do forums as much anymore. Yeah, like everything, everything's so. like Twitter or Twitch or TikTok yeah. or. Um, Social media is the thing. But like, yeah, for 20 years, I've been on and off writing stuff with it, with this company. And it started off with me just being convinced I could do better jobs with like magic, you know, prestige classes in third edition. And then eventually ended up writing two adventure paths. Which was no no small feat, clearly. Uh, a couple words in there. There's a couple <laughs> words. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would say if you were being paid by the word, which I know a lot of writers are... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yes. there are contracts as far as like how much they'll pay me for, and then I would often be like, "Listen, it's, we're selling these as PDFs mostly, right? So if I write a bit more, that's okay." Um, <laughs> right. So hopefully, the the readers don't get bored with the content. Anyway, um, yeah, I should hope not. Uh, we've had a really, we've had, I, I, okay, so we've had a really uh, great experience with these adventure paths, but at the same time, a really horrible phenomenon has occurred, and I'm not sure if you've heard the story at this point. I mean, I know about. With the burning sky ending, but yeah, uh, and I think uh, I, I think J Jason uh, from our cast like gave you the lowdown at one point because he was telling us about it or something, had messaged you or, or commented to you or something, and let you know what happened with the zeitgeist. Because you'll have to refresh memory. There has been like the end of the world, probably since yeah. Then. And this was actually just prior to the end of the world, and that's why the story is so timely. So, so as you know, um, War of the Burning Sky, which Ryan, you were the you were the spearhead of that whole thing. You wrote, I assume, the vast majority of it, yeah. if I remember correctly. And um, the, I mean, it was a, it was a brilliantly designed. I, I get to kiss your ass a little bit here. It, it was a brilliantly designed uh, series of adventures with a really a fantastic plot that that we had a blast with. It was okay. I I looked at the <laughs> flaws, but sure, I... absolutely. I, I feel the same way about my art. Shut up. 
So, um, <laughs> no, don't shut up. It's a podcast. But we were uh, we were moving along with with War of the Burning Sky pretty good. It was like a twelve installment adventure path, right? So we get all the way to the very last one, and at this point, we've been playing this game for like four freaking years, and uh, suddenly everything falls apart. Our you know just like happens with real life with people all the time in gaming groups, particularly everything's just kind of went wrong. Uh, work schedules shifted. Uh, person switched jobs and, and end up in a situation where he just wasn't available anymore and then it was it was like hurry up and wait it was we, we were planning on getting back to it anytime 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 i mean they had been dealing with for for con- your, your context because you know a lot of the people uh, you know a lot of our listeners unless they happen to have gotten all the way to the end of war of the burning sky aren't gonna know what the hell i'm talking about anyway but we the, the characters got through most of the uh set piece uh encounters and situations in the big battle in the opening wastes yeah I mean, you guys were like 20th level right on the cusp of like you've, you'd like beaten the armies that were defending the empress and you're about to like let's go get her descending into the depths of the earth and yep. we we probably only had a couple sessions left and it crapped apart i mean there were the consummate role players so i would have said three or four or five sessions because they slow everything Fine, down whatever but it was fantastic and the, and the personal story the characters got in the way a lot too so i mean there was a lot of stuff that slowed them down but it was um it was a lot of fun i and everybody was chopped in the bit to get to the end. <laughs> who, who was Jonica's assassin stab? Oh God, it's been stabby person. Yeah, like pre- pregnant stabby person, right? Pregnant stabby person. Jasmine. Yeah. yeah. Jasmine, thank you. And that—that that was the thing, right? We we got to that point where we could definitively guess that it, it, because I because I didn't tell them everything about the way it would have ended. I'd always kind of wanted that out there. I don't know, maybe as I was punishing them because I had to punish myself by not being able to finish it, not really telling everybody how it ended. I always had them mind that I was somehow going to make something out of it, right? But we I did tell them enough that they knew that somebody was going to sacrifice themselves in the end to save the world. And it was pretty obvious that it would come down to three characters in that party who would have to fight for the opportunity. And one of them was just not quite, I mean, Brother Sunshine would have been more than willing, but was not quite the, the kind of the gravitas that we wanted to think of that encounter. He'd only been there for half the campaign. You know, he wasn't the real hero. He was a support character, I guess. Yes, in his mind. Guy here, you can't be the, the martyr. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and then uh, and Jasmine would have been an obvious choice because she was the one who was making the world, you know, world, world better, but would have no place in it. That was her kind of whole gimmick, but she'd found out she was pregnant. So that left Elisar, the, you know, the, the Tolkien named paladin that William rolled up and Elisar had been there from the beginning was a, a paladin of the God of champions. I mean, he was perfect. It was kind of a foregone conclusion, but we never, played it so nobody really knew i just kind of left that out there we moved on with our lives years down the line here a couple years down the line year or two down the line we decided to start zeitgeist right and uh i started it while you know adventures were still coming out of course and zeitgeist for the people who don't know is a fantasy industrial revolution uh sort of steampunk conspiracy theories X-Files meets Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. That's really, that, that about covers it. I, I think this is by far and away one of my favorite adventure experiences at the very least. I I don't think my all of my players feel that way for various reasons, but um, I don't think the criticisms necessarily have a lot to do with you. Because they know you, I did hear your name spoken loudly in cursed words in a lot of sessions, and I, I mean, have them on tape. You can tell me what if, if, I, if I fucked up somehow. We lost our G rating, right? <laughs> oh, no, yeah, we lost our G rating, back in 2012 yeah. um the, uh, <laughs> the, the the whole experience with zeitgeist has been uh you know just just a step and a half off of 
the expectations of D and D anyway, mm-hmm. you know, being the kind of the steampunk setting, you know, with, with, with a lot of very Victorian ideas kind of blended up with all the philosophical and religious stuff. And the, uh, the, the, the questions of the cosmos, the unique cosmology that you developed for it, the way, the way the player characters were involved in some extraordinary world changing events in a more literal sense than you usually see in my opinion. A, a lot of times when you, you know, people write up world changing events for bad guys, cause the bad guy is going to do a bad thing. Thing to the world <laughs> these guys not well, only wanted to a do a bad thing to the world well these guys just... wanted to do a lot of bad things to the world and they started doing them in the middle of the game <laughs> they did a great thing the villains are the protagonists um i i mostly side with the with the villains in the adventure path but. sure you do sure you do uh I, I don't think that everybody feels that sentiment in my group but they had some pretty personal experiences to back that up so uh and i understand you ran you ran your campaign and your group you didn't make it past through like the fifth adventure or something right <laughs> my own playtest thing like the i mean part of the issue was that we were doing a fifth edition or if we're doing a fourth edition and a pathfinder thing mm-hmm. kind of like swap back and forth and like the players were like, yeah, I don't want to. And then uh, ultimately, there there is a big giant construct that the party decided we're just going to blow it up with a bomb. And I was like, you know what? This is a, this is a fine enough ending rather than stream this out. So I gave them a. He wouldn't let us blow it up with the bomb. <laughs> You're such a pussy. I can't believe you let him get away with that. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Eric was like, it is really big. It's Colossus. You don't have a bomb big enough that you can make that you can blow that thing up. I have a you feeling. You can't blow this up. You can't I have do a this. feeling. You Ryan can't do any of the things you think up. Blow it up with a bomb. <laughs> I think, like, it was explicitly like, this is if, I think in some part of the DM's guide, it's like, if you're going to end the campaign prematurely, this is an excellent place to do it. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But, but, because we were not allowed to do that bullshittery. Um, now, this is while it was <laughs> we this while it was still. No. There's a better win later on if you get the chance to, to you know, you have the rematch. Anyway, sorry, Eric, go ahead. It, no, it was just while, while, while Bourne was still in the mountain that they did it or they got uh, it now? No, no, like they, they, just, uh, they just got uh, Gale, who can fly, to carry the radical eschatologists, uh, like suicide freezer bomb um, <laughs> up to it and, like, you know, uh, dropped it in the thing's mouth and yeah, blew up its head. Yeah, sure. Like yeah, because uh, I mean, w- we had a problem, and I mean, it's just it's it's worth talking about because you know I've got you here. Uh, Jonica played, as you know, flocks. Um, <laughs> yeah, very happy individual. Yeah, most of the time. Uh, Flox was a complicated character, and you got to see a little bit of this, I know. In fact, uh, during the period that you ran our guest game for us, because when you came to TsunamiCon in, uh, I want to say, I don't remember what year it was now, 26, 2017, 2018, I don't remember, 2016, somewhere there. Uh, You came out to the con, and uh, you stayed an extra day and ran a game for our group, which was a uh, in continuity with Mm -hmm. our campaign. We happened to have stopped at a great place. He ended an adventure, had a little downtime. It was a great place to do that. And we sprung board a bunch of stuff off of what you did, too. Oh, cool. It was it was fun. It was a blast. Um, I'm, I'm not sure everybody was on that page with me. But then again, I got to play Rock Rackus, and my group was one of those groups that mostly hated Rock Rackus. I think Rock Rackus is such a I jerk. came in at level 13. I learned to hate him. He's he's Kanye <laughs> West. OK, like <laughs> like he is explicitly Kanye West as like an astronaut. Yeah, like, I see that. You're not supposed to really. I mean. I adore him too, but because I don't have to deal with him. Yeah. Right, right. Like you do. Condi has some great music. He's 
got some issues, but anyway. a couple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we. Uh, I I really wanted to tell him what to put his his uh, gold bullets or whatever yeah. they were. I can't even remember now. That was the other guy. It was, no, no, it was a, a diamond encrusted piece, uh, yeah. which yeah. line from the Kanye West uh, song "Power." Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch this video, it's the it's the most amazing music video. It's just like it starts with him about like fifteen feet away or something, or like thirty feet away, and he starts to slowly like like zoom. Well, it starts on him and it zooms out slowly, and you reveal like he's standing atop this pillar, and there are people around him like dressed in togas. There's gods. There's like people flying through the air with swords. It's just this like slow motion majestic godlike thing where Kanye's less like you. I am fucking Osiris. Okay, and uh, wow! Yeah, the, the, find find a video for power to get a chance. It's it's uh, a glimpse of the. Sun. Will do. Uh, it, it anyway. Uh, back to right. yeah. So uh, <laughs> flux this is why the games take multiple sessions to finish. <laughs> no, it, F F flux had a problem, and you you kind of landed in a weird time there because she was trying to figure out new ways to deal with it at the time. When I ran the campaign, as you may recall, we had character three characters die in the first adventure in the, in the Axis of the Island of the World adventure. We had three PCs die, and it was heart-wrenching. And you actually role-played and didn't just be like, well, let's get a new guy. Like, Right, you look like a trustworthy fellow. No, we didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, even the, even the people that brought in new characters had had like already had backstory implemented that was even tied them into things in the group and stuff. It was great. Well, one of them anyway. Yeah, and Flock still wasn't sure she liked them. But as a consequence, we had three PCs survive that first adventure. So Flox and Magan and Alec were the kind of the heart of the group from that point forward because they were the ones who had been there from the very, very beginning. And um, everybody else kind of drifted in later. But that loss weighed on Flox so badly because she had kind of taken charge. And, uh, you know, she is this irrepressibly, you know, happy gnome who you know, takes so much joy in the finer things in life and in, in the finer things in gnomish life. <laughs> and, uh, she enjoys, um, one of her pranks recently was to get a couple help gremlin helpers and glue everything down to every desk in the, um, central hub, yeah. the central district, including her own. That way she could scream and yell and nobody would know that it was her. <laughs> Right. No one would ever suspect. And, and the funny thing was, when Jonica came up with the idea, she was like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, that night, I'm going to sneak in and glue everything down to everybody's desk in the RHC headquarters. And I said, honey, you're like 16th level by this point. How about all the central district? <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> so, you know, think big. Yeah. So she glued everything down to every desk in Central District. I'm trying to I'm trying to guess from that, like what level, what what adventure are you guys in? Like, oh well, the actual last, um, and I guess I, I hadn't gotten to that. Oh yeah, sorry. Story yet? No, you're good. You're good. The. Uh... Uh... So, so Flox became, as, as the campaign wore on, she became kind of an on again and off again character. Jonica wasn't a constant player in the latter parts of the campaign. Uh, we we per made that pretty permissible by making it uh, something that she could do with the whole um, having a desk job thing. When she moved into the, you know, the leadership role, took a Del's position when he moved up. And that worked out pretty well because we could always kind of take her out of the action, let her do her own thing. And, you know, the party went on and did their missions and reported back to her. And it actually was working out pretty neat. So Jonica would guest in some sessions and stuff. And then when she wanted to play for a while, she could. But uh, what one of the... 
the the development of the character was very much kind of that that constant internal struggle between wanting to be that happy person and trying to figure out how to get rid of the sad and always feeling stressed because no matter how hard she tried the villains were always getting the best of them it's like it's like playing sherlock and moriarty always being a step ahead always always I, I okay. I'll let you finish, but I do feel like I try to give the players. No, I, I, we've we've talked about this a lot, and I, I mean, I, I think we have a couple of different angles on it, pretty well hashed out. Because Flox felt this way and couldn't shake it, hmm. so Jonica felt this way and had a hard time shaking it. It seems like no matter how much they did, how hard they worked at it, they would have their successes. But because the villain organization, the conspiracy was so much bigger than the party, they would be out there right. in the world still doing shit that they couldn't stop him from doing. So no, you know. It would always be like you take a step forward, two steps back. And so she, Flox, couldn't get rid of that negative perspective of things. You know, it's like no matter how hard she tried, the only thing she could do to try to get rid of it was ignore it. Drugs, Drugs <laughs> alcohol. She tried that. Inventions. Went you know, to whatever. Danor, had a big party, got yeah. Rick involved. It All was, the things that you do. I mean, it was fun. But, you know, but it was a, it was a character that was wearing on Jonica to play because she was so intertormented. And I was like, I, I've seen her do this with so many of her characters. I think the problem is this campaign rolled on for like six years. And so it was starting to become a bigger actual problem in life. You spend that much time with somebody who just can't yes. see the good. <laughs> All she sees is her failures. But my position was that the party was always winning the battles, even yeah. while they felt like they were losing other battles. But the the, they were, the fo- ones they were focusing on, they were always ahead on. They were always stopping I mean, the obstacles. It was from like when the, the Colossus stomped all over the city. Flocks only saw that they couldn't stop it from stomping all over the city. And killing people. Not that people, she stopped it from. Property, you know. You know. It stomped on. T- 20 buildings but it would have done far more and you're like right it could have destroyed the whole city it could have done so much more damage we managed to lure it out into the water the king aiden managed to send it away you know so it was really a good success the problem was was flox just saw the failure to stop it before it could do that yeah same thing later with the uh when of course the the thing goes you know the the ob pulls off the big you know, shebang, but they managed to save Boilers their city. for people who, you know, want to oh, come on. three years to playing this campaign. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like, and, and even if, even if you, do, even if you're worried, you're not going to know what I'm going to talk about because I mean, out of context, none of this shit makes sense. Well, I mean, we could give them context. I mean, that might make them want to play. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> our our listeners know. have heard us talk about it a lot over the years. And I, I'm, I'm certain we've gotten from feedback I've gotten. I'm certain we've gotten a few people into trying it. I don't know how far, how far they've gotten, you know, cause that's, that's always the question. Okay. And I was excited to get the fifth edition write-ups, um, which how did I get those? Is that through the uh, the magazine? Uh, there's En Cider in yeah. five. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, on Patreon, yeah. uh, and that's and th- those have been fantastic. I mean, it, I, none of it has been in time until recently, and that's because <laughs> that's because <laughs> the story. <laughs> so uh, Richard joined the campaign in the middle, so he's he's been there for uh, quite a bit. Level. In a you know, yeah, and the characters are nineteenth now. To give you some context. We've made it to the point where we've gone back to Axis Island to look at the seal to figure out what they fucked up. Yeah. So there was a, there's the bit after that because then they, they had to they had to deal with um, the uh, the the Titan things. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Titan things. And deal with all that. The Titans. So there was this yeah. big big battles there. I, I, I'm, I know my brain's going foggy. I guess I'm getting old. Um, there's the big battles there. 
you know, which was neat because that was a really, really kind of cool way to showcase characters getting to this level and getting to really use cool powers and showing that they're capable of handling massive villains and challenges when you bring out things that, you know, only people on the level of these characters can possibly deal with in the world, you know, and then you have Brick with his, you know, kingly power from, you know, able to stand up against the, you know. I forgot that that was him. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Someone's not a not a fan of the aristocracy these days, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, long story short, too late. The uh, the 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 campaign got to a point where I I found an opportunity to slide in some personal stuff in the back. So so I had developed a number of potential side plots that had nothing to do with the actual campaign. Yeah, you know, I, I try to I try to pull a lot as as a game master. I try to pull a lot out of character backstory and relationships and you know NPC relationships they build and, and stuff that they're interested in. And I've one of the cool things about this game is that because so much of it has been centered around one city, one community, and the characters are integral parts of that community. You know, if not community leaders, they're definitely you know community active people. And I have to say that about all of them. I mean. Flox started her is going to start her orphanage. She started um, rebuilding the south side that was the bay side that was stomped on. She bought so a lot that, of the tenements and, and stuff in there. To, I bought to the rebuild. tenements, built them up into houses, put gardens on the roof so they have um, roofs that are actually gardens instead of. Jonica, you are doing in the industrial revolution all wrong. Those people should be in your factories, slaving away, making you money not enjoying their lives. And she's building gadgets to make it so that the industrial revolution doesn't quit polluting the sky. She's got um, the guy, the manufacturer of the, what's that stuff? The acid stuff? The Alkahest stuff. Yeah. Alkahest, the Hirsch or whatever his name is. I don't remember. Uh, you know, the guy, he, you yeah. go first, his daughter's Yeah, he knows your daughter. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I wrote the thing, and I just, but there's a hundred different characters. I forgot to get his name. Arr. Yeah, no, Um. anyway, she she's starting with him and she's going to start building filters for his smokestack so that and if they work yeah clean clean air uh machines <laughs> or emissions control machines yep emission control machines and and flax is also um gonna start an orphanage and currently she's doing plays for children and she uh, decided to get herself a familiar and it's a sun bear so she plays the part of the minotaur <laughs> Oh, and telling the story because she tells the stories of the PC's adventures. That's the PC's adventures. And so the the great and mighty. And so she's the Minotaur. She wears a hat with horns and Ambassador Bracken and his pet bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's who she plays. The the gnome plays the Minotaur. Fun. That's adorable. and, and they, I mean, just, and, and that was another way of her blowing off steam and dealing with, you know, her problems. But it was funny because we did a whole sequence where somebody was looking for her. And that's where they had to go down to the park and find her. And it turns out that's what she was doing. So then Jonica just kind of acts out the whole thing there at the table, showing everybody what she's doing. It's like, it was fantastic. And, and Fox is not a great actor either. <laughs> <laughs> I am Bracken, the great Minotaur from, yeah. Yeah. Naturally. And beside me is my bear, you know. <laughs> Ra- and the bear would stand rawr. up and go, rawr. <laughs> and then you'd see her feet at a treat. <laughs> this, this is why you make sure the audience gets free drinks. That's why they make it. It was for kids. They loved it. Oh, okay. Don't give the kids the it was for It was for the orphans, actually. I don't know. This was after the gyre. She may have given the kids free drinks, too. Haven't they suffered enough, Jonica? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it got it got rave reviews from the Puppet Brigade, so I don't want to hear about it. Oh, Brick with uh, his puppet the theater. Puppet Brigade. 
made owned by the king who answers to you. Yeah. How's this work again? <laughs> remind me, remind me, Ryan. There is um in, in the are they always on time adventure, I think, the one with the with the train. Yeah. There is a there's the stopping at the different places along the way. Did did you write in a puppet show in there? Did they is there a place where someone had a chance to see a puppet show, or did I invent that shit out of my head because I don't remember? I feel I feel like there might have there might have been a small thing because yeah, the Griento the the orc like uh, family had two little kids and they might have gone to a puppet show. To a puppet show, yeah, because I remember the Grientos were there. Brick went to a puppet show and fell absolutely in love with this entire concept. And when he became king, of course, he was all about creating. Um, he, he, he tells he, the news via puppets. He had criers <laughs> on the street corners delivering the news via, via puppets. puppets. Okay. I may have suggested that. And Fox that. is like, what? So, so, so back to my core story again here. <laughs> the, uh, the. Uh, We'll get there. If if you're joining, if you're just joining us, thank you for listening to uh, <laughs> Gamers Donald. We have we have Ryan Knockoff with us today. Um, so I was uh, I I got to the point where I was I was feeling like uh, a couple of my kind of side quest situations had kind of languished, and I wasn't real sure they were ever going to get any attention. And one of them I had going on was this thing I had tied into um, Will's character's backstory involving some things that had happened in the past with dwarves in Reeser, and um, there was somebody that was, some third party that was somehow capturing them and feeding off of their essence and using it to fuel a machine that was being built in the tunnels beneath the capital. So that's to all Eric. That wasn't in the book. Right. Obviously. So, uh, they went ahead and, uh, kind of, kind of sidestepped a lot of that early on. And they came around back to it when they're a lot higher level than I was expecting them to be dealing with it, of course. So then I'm having to kind of refit, retrofit my challenges to make sure that it works for this approach so that it wasn't going to be some boring walkthrough thing. I don't know. I've always wanted to just like start an adventure path at 20th level and be like, how fast can we wrap this up? Let's see. Wow. Right. Rambo this whole thing. You just, you just cast, like, you cast like divination. You like wish what is going on. You know what's going right. on. Okay, cool. Let's go find the yeah. starting gate. Go starting gate pass. By the time you get to the woods, you got Leska's head on a pike. Yeah. So um, the whole uh, the whole thing here was they they decided to finally explore this. And I did. I used it as you, you'd had. <laughs> I don't know what you can think of this. You had had these comments you'd made online where you were talking about in your head canon, the combination between uh, the connection between the War of the Burning Sky and the Zeitgeist campaign setting. And I loved the idea. And of course, you made mention to it of it in with the Coltong, the RNS Coltong, yeah. you know, which I mean, for the obvious Easter egg reason of anybody that played Burning Sky would get a kick out of it, which is exactly right. the way it hit our group. It's like, yeah. oh, that is so cool. You Name for some ancient warlord. You know, we were like, so upset when the Coltong got crashed. We were really, really upset. That's your fault. Yeah, it was. It was, actually. <laughs> they ran it headfirst into an island, I think, if I remember correctly. Yes, they did. At full speed. Didn't even slow down for it. Had something to do with a bunch of tentacles chasing us. I don't know. So I was, uh, I, I was kind of feeling out the possibilities here for a little bit, and I decided to go ahead and roll with it. When they got to this side thing, I put into play that the person who was utilizing these caves to uh, do this machine had gotten the idea from this sort of um, old 
magical technology, psionically built technology, that was um, already present in the caverns they were using down there. So I, I came, now I can't remember too much about the, what I did with the villain. I think it was some kind of lich or something and they, they had to deal. But the uh, caverns had people that had been put, I, I decided had been put in stasis since the days of the the the, the um, fallout from the Aqualine Heart. Okay. And Jasmine had led the people, some of her people to safety when, when the world was still going to hell, whatever that meant. Nobody has any clue and I haven't decided, so it doesn't matter. What was important was they found um, a kind of a record keeping device that allowed them to access experiences of the time. And so they come across this thing. You've heard about some of this, didn't you? I see you nodding. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I, I kind of came up with this idea where they would get to this point and I wanted to time it so that it was just right at the end of an adventure, uh, event of a session. They get to this point where they would access this device and it would suck them all in and they would suddenly be in the minds of their characters in the very last adventure of War of the Burning Sky right as they're about to go into the caverns and be able to finish that campaign finally with character sheets for 5th edition that I had written up that week and I handed out at the end of the session. Nobody saw it coming. You should have seen the looks on their faces. Richard was the only I, one in the group who wasn't part of that original I campaign. I didn't get a new character sheet. My character went back. <laughs> and there's yeah, a reason so he was there for it. And everybody, and everybody treating him like he belonged. So what I right. did in order to make it work was he gets there. And so when Richard came into the game, he's playing a warlock, right? And it's a divinely inspired warlock. So his patron is some sort of celestial creature or whatever. And um, Richard doesn't decide much about it. He gives that he gives that honor to me. He says, yeah, here's a few details. You can do whatever you want with it. I love it when players do that. <laughs> so uh, I made my own decisions about what that meant. And at this point, he goes back. Or they, they go back. He's drug into that event with the rest of them. Looks over, sees Jason's character from the time, Brother Sunshine. Or Brother Kiernan was his actual name. Everybody called him Brother Sunshine. Mm -hmm. And recognizes so him as his, as his mentor. As He's his my patron. So, you know, to, to give that extra bit of a push of like, why, how, what, what's going on, you know? Yeah. And everybody was just astounded. I mean, people were practically falling out of their chairs and so excited about this. And the next week was the pandemic. <laughs> so that campaign ended at the exact same spot as the last one. Literally the exact same spot. I'm like, I'm fucking done, Ryan. I can't run any more of your campaigns. Don't bother. I'm sorry. I'm just going to get to the 11th hour and it's going to, it's going to blow up on me. And that's the way it works. Uh, I, okay. Or, so or do write another one. And then I can get to that point and write a situation where they go back to the zeitgeist characters. They go back to the original. No. Exception. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're three deep now. <laughs> um, I, I, actually, I pulled up the, the chat log with Jason. And I think the la one of the last things I said to him was like, well, good luck. Maybe you can get a double TPK. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Maybe I'm glad we didn't play. <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was so sad. And of course, even though we're now gaming together in person again with a couple of our groups, you know, with the vaccinations and stuff, we just can't get that group together anymore. I, I, I understand. Like, yeah. And also like just, yeah, 
schedules change, people's vibes yeah. change. Yeah, very That's much what so. happened. We had some, some of our players' lives change dramatically. And, and it, um, we just can't, they just right. can't be available. And we're so role-play uh, heavy, there's just no way. It's not like you could swap in some characters and say, okay, yeah, let's keep this going. Yeah, and it feels uh, so unfair stories. to admit anybody yeah. because of this, you know? So, I don't know. Uh, at, at some level, I may have to come to terms with it and go, well, if we ever actually want to finish this, we're I mean, just going to yeah. have to figure something out, you know? Zoom is a thing, um, but, like, you can also just, you know, you can run a game with a smaller, like, how many players do you still have? Well, people, Zoom requires know. people to know what the internet is. It's got, like, seven players, but, yeah, three of them don't do online stuff. They're yeah, you know, <laughs> Luddites. <laughs> so, so your options are basically either like run and then exclude some of your current group by not including them because they right. weren't playing, or bring them in and then have brand new characters showing up in like, hey guys, the apocalypse happened. Let's see if we can undo it. And then like, well, what's the world like? Oh, okay, here's this, this, yeah. I'll bring it, yeah. And and of course, again, they were 19th level. So, I mean, right on the cusp of getting to play those 20th level characters mm. that, you know, yeah. which, which I thought that was kind of one of the brilliant things you did in your campaign was you get them to 20th level a couple of adventures before the end. So they actually get to play their 20th level characters. Yeah. Um, Rather than finish the campaign at 20th. Um... I don't know, it's, it's, it's like starting a group by watching Avengers Endgame or something. Like, just not going to land quite the same, right. you know? Right. Uh, sorry, people are coming into the library and they need to use the restroom because they're taking a campus tour, so. Oh, um, yeah, we're okay for a minute. I've got, I've got a little bookshelf Oh, mask. that's nice. Yeah. Very nice. Loving it. But, um, yeah, I don't know, uh... Probably going to be coming back yeah, out. Yeah, we, we'll, yeah, we'll wait a minute. Besides, we still need to figure out how to get nearer to get that soda to Eric because he's going to dehydrate <laughs> and just collapse in a husk. I, um, this this room, I don't think it's going to be a, a husk. I am sweating profusely. So the humidity here is awful. Hmm. You want to complain about the immunity here? Don't talk to the man in Georgia. I mean, it's been raining a lot lately. Uh, actually, I, I've read like a study that apparently, if not for all of the trees that Atlanta has, the amount of rain would actually have like swept the city away. Like the trees absorb <laughs> enough to like <laughs> mudslides keep you in place. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> Atlanta actually. Wow. Atlanta actually has like laws on if you cut down a tree of a certain size, you have to like get approval beforehand and like you have to like mitigate it by planting another tree or like you know we got to get some civil planning involved yeah yes indeed so like uh in atlanta do you guys uh, do you guys have basements i mean do they build on foundations they build deep foundations or i mean so uh atlanta's got a lot of hills and so i mean yeah basements it's a lot of cut-in structures it, yeah, yeah that, that that's more likely yeah um Actually, of all my friends, how many of them have basements? Um, like I know, like 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 two guys with basements. Yeah. Um, we, so like, we just we it seems like we had that conversation with friends out on the left coast, and it's like they don't know what a basement is. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> when I was growing up in Southeast Texas, we were on like the you know like coastal plains. So if you mm -hmm. go to build a basement, you hit oil. So I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. Wow. <laughs> no, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure I probably told this story to everyone, but like my hometown, Beaumont, Texas, uh, was the site of the first ever oil gusher. So like they're they're drilling, trying to like find a pocket of oil, and then all of a sudden, like high pressure oil poof, pops the drill nice. bit, goes flying in the sky. Oil's flying around. A bunch of dudes are just standing around with cigarettes. Like, what do we do about this? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> like invent a way to keep it from spraying because like it sprayed oil for three days before someone figured out a way to like okay we'll slide a thing and drill the thing and kind of 
clench it down to I, Yeah, I still don't know how they do that. <laughs> That's interesting. People get covered by a lot of oil is what happens. Right, right, yeah. We should talk about your Kickstarter, too, while we're here, just just to make sure we get that mentioned. And, you know. Yes. M- most people who play the campaign don't end in disaster. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh. I see how you're going to be. No, no, no. no. So, um, actually, it, it is a weird thing, as, like, uh, on the message boards, people will, like, talk about their games, and so, like, now I've got this sort of, like, multiple timelines, like, wait, did that guy do this thing do that yeah and yeah so. yeah 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 we talked we talked about it. it's like you know you were you just seem to do a pretty good job of keeping track of our characters and stuff when you talk to me about our game our campaign and everything because obviously that's going to be the main thing that makes every game unique yeah is the pcs but uh i i wonder about that like when you hear or read multiple renditions of what happened and a lot of the main core events are the same or so similar but the characters are different yeah yeah so, like the, the, so the variations are what matter, right? The four that like stick out are there was like the two German players who have like a romance and they're like romantic investigators traveling around the world. Um, <laughs> um, and there was the like very pulpy um, like mummy style group where the main thing I remember is that there was a character named Manuel who uh, was a goblin or a kobold from Burr and no, no kobolds. At, true. One point <laughs> he was they they were in the dreaming, the Feylands, and he uh like he needed a sneak past the so he declared like I am the knight like Batman. Right. Um, like the the whole landscape was like, you know what, you're pretty cool. I'll take it. And just like <laughs> transition to nighttime. Um, <laughs> very, very comic for that one. Uh there was the group that like ran it very seriously and like had like very solid, like Lord of the Rings style play to the point when I was like, okay, I don't feel like I you know, this, is, this is not what I was going for, but I'll, I'll take it. Like, you know, Fate of the World, the you know, passionate romances. It was neat. And then there were, um, like, the people who just turned it into, like, kind of gonzo, like... Of course. Yeah, like, we, we are going to, like, we can rewrite reality. Okay, we're going to, like, make it as zany as we can and, like, create a utopia where, like, uh, Actually, like the, the 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 two of them. So, like, um, we are doing a Kickstarter for an adventure. Um, mm-hmm. But then after the adventure, the plan is that we're going to have a whole setting book set twenty years after the previous adventure path. Right, and right. When uh, we were trying to like get writers to work on it because it's a big project, and I wasn't thrilled about the idea of writing. 200,000 words myself, um, we like looked around and the two people who signed on were these two who had like very like strong beliefs. They were really enthusiastic and like we kind of butted heads because I was like, you know, like I wrote this and I'm asking you to like take over and write part of it but like that's not what I really want. They explained it like, I was like, oh actually no, I, I do kind of like your ideas. Like they they wanted to go hardcore like um, John Carter like space exploration stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, where like you, you you get to like establish different planets and so you can have a whole uh like suite of worlds where there'll be like rockets flying around and everything. Which um, you know is very pulpy still. It is. I, it, it was a little far that I wanted to go, but I, I liked some right. of it. Um but uh yeah, so like the, just like a lot of different ways to run the same campaign. Um and but when I because I had to set up the like twenty years later setting and be like, okay, like, it's been 20 years, so if you ran the adventure path, you can be like, we saved the day. Things were great for a while. Or we wrecked things. Things were awful for a while. Now, the the, the stuff's sort of shifting. Okay, we got to, like, a, a different different set. Um, and so, uh, but I still had to kind of be like, okay, well, like, who's in charge of, of the different countries, right? Like, I had to kind of pick, 
you right. know, what the consequences were. So I had to pick like you know one one person to be king of research. Okay. Um, right. Right. We knew Brick wasn't going to get that. It's Brick. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I picked the like the, the very Tolkien-esque style guy to be like you know, the philosopher king who was going to do everything right. But then eventually he he abdicates. Now fresh fresh stuff. He had twenty years being king. Somebody else is in charge. Right. But uh, yeah, the 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 plan for the for the Kickstarter right now is because groups have these long campaigns and like sometimes we don't finish them. We don't want to do another full adventure path. Um, right. Uh, Russ, the guy who runs the company, uh, gave me like a very polite request. Like, don't, don't make something we have to like, cause the, the issue is that if you buy the first adventure, then you have to finish it before you really need to buy the second adventure. And so from a business standpoint, like a, a 12 adventure series doesn't do as well as like, you know, individual adventures like right. ISO with Pathfinder do it because they have subscription stuff. And like Russ has got the insider website. Right. So like people will subscribe through Patreon to that, but just like the individual sales, like the, the fifth book never does as well as the first one. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And also like, it's harder to like pick up like, okay, let's establish all the setting stuff. And the, so, um, the, the point that I've taken here is like, there are like six main countries in the world. And so I, I'm planning six individual adventures around the six different countries. Oh, uh, very cool. Here, That'll be cool. Going on in this country and that country. And like each one kind of puts you at an inflection point of a moment that can really change how things turn out. Um, Eric, uh, are you thinking that you might want to run this upcoming adventure, uh, The Death of the Author? I don't see why not. I mean, there may be some expectation amongst my group that I'd have an interest. Okay. So. Um, but I, 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 I'm not going to spoil things, but yeah, uh, it's it's a mansion murder mystery uh, style because um, like murder mysteries are, are not an incredibly common thing in you know, D&D, and I, I feel like I got enough experience doing mysteries <laughs> in, uh, in Zeitgeist that I could, I could give this a try. So so one of the one of the coolest in, in that context, which I know this is going to be different, one of the coolest uh, adventures I think I've ever run was the second adventure in the Zeitgeist game, which is uh, the one where they're, they're investigating the death and the loss of Hume. Yeah, like there's a murder, and you're like, what happened? Why is this going on? What, how is it tied to this political Jonica story? made a crime board. You know, she'd been <laughs> watching procedurals, and so she took like a big whiteboard, and I she had me cut out pictures of like, you know, print up pictures from the, the various headshots and stuff you have in the books and, of anybody important, and and she would write all these details. I've got a uh, you know picture of it on Facebook somewhere, but all <laughs> these just chicken scratches of all the different things. I think, and of course, in typical Flocks fashion, it's like it's organized only in a way that makes sense to her. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like why is that here? Why is that over there? And why is there a picture of a chicken right there? You know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like I, uh, I also gave this one a lot of playtesting to like, you know, make sure that I could figure out what works, what doesn't. I ran in part of it at the uh, Tsunami Con and like, I was in that. Yeah. I got a little over ambitious. Uh, because <laughs> that's, it's not a four hour game. Like, no, like, but I had a great time. I mean, so like you, you basically like you have a, a reason that you're going to the location. Um, and then there are like a dozen characters and some shady stuff's going on and like, spoiler, somebody gets murdered and then you got to figure out who committed the murder. Um, it wasn't me. It might've been me. I think it was me. I actually like in the, in the writing of the book, I was like, okay, how do I, like, I know what I'm doing, but game masters who are reading this don't necessarily know what's in my head. So like, how do I like 
help them roleplay a dozen different NPCs. Because, um, like, you want to make sure, like, I mean, because have you seen Knives Out? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Absolutely. like, you got to give, like, each character, like, a moment or two to, like, little, little, have a little pop, you know, and then, yeah. yeah. Um, you have to give so, them character, make them memorable. Yes. Um, the thing that I, I don't know that I did it in the uh, one that I ran for TsunamiCon, but um, I might have added after that a, a scene where, like, before all this stuff happens, like, let's go on a sort of fox hunt for monsters. Um, so you're on the island, and it's uh, it's on the border of Drocker, which is a big dwarven country, and the Malakans, mm-hmm. which is a place where right. like weird mutated monsters came up. And um, so it's like this lovely, lovely resort island that occasionally little critters will come onto, and you, you got to like deal with them. And so uh, I found a way to like you, know, you go on a little fox hunt for little critters, and then you have like a chance to like. Split up the party into two different groups and like interact with each of the different you know, NPCs while you're hunting monsters. Nice. And I think I think it's a it's a fun scene. The Malice Lands. Oh yeah, I find the Malice Lands very profitable if you ask me. So yeah, like I'm excited about the uh, about the adventure, um, Death of the Author. Death of the Author. Um, and um, it's it is like a term of of art for like literary analysis if you're familiar with that like you know whenever the story is out there like you can consider what did the author mean or you can do a death of the author you're like what the author meant doesn't matter it's what it means to the reader right and, right um i don't know it, it it had context to me because of the fact that like so many different groups had taken the stuff that i'd written and like gone off in different ways yeah it's completely different stories right and i i, I don't want to like shoehorn people to have to like run the things the way that i want to so i'm, I'm trying to make sure it's, it's well that, that's got to be challenging because you're you're a lot of what you've um developed for your adventures is if, if, if convoluted not not complex in a way that that's uh, off-putting for me as a game master i found it very satisfying but with a lot of the detail and rigmarole that is there for the players to interact with it can get confusing unless they pay attention and so it's it's easy for game masters i think to get lost in that if the game master's not paying attention you yeah know? so like it's it's a especially for like setting up a mystery you got to make sure that the game master knows like Here's what you know. Here's what the players will learn right. at rates. Here's how you deal with it. Right. Invariably messing up what you expect. And um, coming up with the entirely the wrong collusion conclusions. Yeah. 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 Uh, like when I ran one playtest, like one of the one of the characters like decided to eavesdrop on someone. I was like, oh, well, if she was eavesdropping on this guy, she would hear him like okay, that kind of spoils part of... But cool, it, it's a spoiler, but great. Let, let's just see how it, how it runs. And, like, you know, it led, it led to some interesting tension because she knew something, but the guy didn't know that she knew. And, yeah. Right, 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 right. It's good stuff. Yeah, so it is a 5th edition adventure for uh, third-level characters. The, like, because it's coming out as its own little nodule, not attached to a setting book yet. Right. Like like a five-page, like, here are rules for guns. Here is, like, a real quick primer for how to do, like... Because, like, D&D doesn't have, like, really fully fleshed up mechanics for, like, interrogating someone or or trailing someone. So, like, a little right. bit... Of, and then, like, a tiny bit of, like, here's the setting, enough for you to know what's going on. Like, you... Like, if you watch, uh, what, the Murder on the Orient Express, you don't need to know about the politics of 1930s Europe, okay? Right, right. There's a train, there's a bunch of people, stuff's going on, yeah. Well, because that's Christie, you also don't have to know the crucial piece of evidence that you need in order to solve the mystery before Perot does. But that's another problem. 
Yeah, that was an aspect of Christie's writing, though. You, you couldn't ever guess the answer because you never were given all the vital information. Right. I uh, I actually think that um, Murder of the Orient Express is maybe the one that, that like, is the best at, at, like, giving you a fair shot. Right. <laughs> but no, yeah. I haven't still read doesn't it, so. I read some of her other stuff. Do you mind if I spoil Murder on the Earth Express for you? I've seen it. I've never read it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay, so, like, the, 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 the conceit is, like, there's a murder, there's much people on the train, the train gets stopped in a snowstorm. And so they right. mm-hmm. go anywhere, and, the, the, and so Poro's like, I'm going to figure out who the people is the killer. And, like, the killer's a scumbag. Like, he, he deserved to die, but still, like, someone murdered him. Um, right. And the the big reveal is, like, everybody killed him. <laughs> like, right, basically. They all planned to get him on the train so that they could all collude to murder him and, like, kind of cover his butts. And Perot figures out, like, listen, there's a dozen people here. You all decided this guy deserved to die. You have 12 people on a jury. We'll call it even. Like, you just, you sentenced him for... Like he, he was sentenced to death. No one here committed murder. You, you were just a jury. It's it's, it's a fun little reveal. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. have to read it now. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna right. have to read it. I because I like Agatha Christie. I just my biggest problem was like I said, you could never. You always felt like there was a piece of information you you were never given to make the connections and then all of a sudden the which person... is a way of making the the investigator seem brilliant. Right. Know? Right, but it always after three or four books, I'm starting to go. That's cheating. So, like with uh, the Dying Skyseer, the the second uh, Zeitgeist adventure, mm-hmm. like I, I've gotten comments from people being like, the group was invested in each of the plot lines, but like they got through eighty percent of the book and were like, who the fuck is behind this? And then like right. they, they like have to finish like one little last thread, and they're like the piece falls in place. Like, oh, okay, based on what we had over here, now I can deduce who it is and figure it out. Um, and I don't think they had to, when I ran it, I don't think the PCs had to run down all the different leads. They got to where they needed to get while some of those were not, they didn't, they didn't go very deep on it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause like it just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on and like, I do procedurals. Yeah. I did a, a crime board. <laughs> we were, we were great. It was a good right. adventure. Crime, crime, crime boards help. <laughs> It was a good adventure. I, so, even if so, crazy, even if the crime board's written by a crazy person. The so, so I, I do have one more story I want to share for you from the campaign. But the uh, I, I wanted to point out that what you were saying there is that the death of the author adventure has everything you need in that adventure book to run that adventure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Death of the author is uh, as long as you have the Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook. Um, right. Like you're good to go. Like it, it will give you like. It, it kind of sets you up like, here is a premise. Make sure the players buy into the premise. Like, you're here for this reason. And as long as you do that, like, it's on an island. It's it's easy to kind of, like, you know. Yeah. You do, you know it sounds like it should be fun. Well, I kick-started into it because uh, the characters fascinated me in the playtest. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to explore them more. And I still want to play the character I played more. And I, I want to rework her into some other storyline. Uh, so I yeah. will say that, like, what I ran for you guys, because, like I said, they're, they're were like a dozen characters in the thing i took some and we were squished and made them into pcs uh right and like for the full adventure like i'm, I'm having character creation and all that um so like you might be the killer for all you know rich actually having played her i believe she is the killer um <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole nother story um <laughs> Well, there's, uh, I mean, there's still a uh, number of days left on the Kickstarter. <laughs> it's a pretty short campaign. Oh, yeah. Like, and, well, uh, uh, so Russ has gotten into this thing. He calls them quick starters. Yeah. Um, like, the, 
the theme for the longest period of time was like someone would be like, I have this cool idea, give me money. People gave him money. He's like, I can't do it. And then you just threw your money away. Um, but Russ has got made a point of like, I'm going to finish the book. And they'd be like, right. this is me announcing that the book is out. I'm going to run it for you know two weeks or so. And then then you can just fulfill all the orders in one batch. Because also it's a lot of, like if you're doing print on demand, it's a lot easier if you can like send 50 books rather than like one book and then one book. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Send them in a batch. Yeah. And a lot of the purchases are going to be PDFs anyway. Yeah. And he's always, I noticed on his Kickstarters, he's always got those ready to, you know, hit the button as soon as it's over. Yes. Like fulfilled my Kickstarter rewards in five seconds. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Had it happen. Well, I, I pledged, I, I'm going to get a physical copy since you were kind enough to give me physical copies of all the other adventures. <laughs> like one of the best boosters of, of the things so i get well i appreciate that the the i would say they look fantastic on my shelf but they didn't hold up as well to use because they're massive books uh, yeah and they're POD. <laughs> so so they look kind of ragged but <laughs> but i still well love loved. having them <laughs> and um i think i'm going to since i didn't get to run them in fifth we uh we started in pathfinder mm. and um converted ourselves to fifth well you know that i started converting to fifth edition before you did around the, around the same time you were working on it because uh you gave me a lot of ideas we traded a lot of ideas yeah and um i i really wanted to get into fifth edition with it at that point and they were about characters were about seventh level when i made the conversion and so i had to do some creative stuff that i will never do again uh <laughs> It, it, because fifth What's edition was really the, new. Uh, <laughs> Alchemist and the gun, the gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, the gunslinger. Because they, they they were Pathfinder classes, and so I, not only was I trying to do a decent conversions, but I was also trying to sell my players on moving them into fifth edition because I really wanted to. I mean, I will say that like seeing as most of your time is spent on role playing, like the conversion probably didn't change too much but like you wouldn't think but like for, for me like <laughs> I, I played as it originally in, in fourth edition and like fourth edition fifth edition combats like fifth edition like it's a breeze it's just like mm -hmm. can i do this yeah sure why not draw die like you know it's um it's it's it plays a lot faster i think and i'm like i do love a game where you can do like if it's like okay cool i'm gonna take a five foot step here and use my my you know swift action to do this and but yeah, fifth, fifth runs fast, so it does. Especially when you do it a lot does. of the mind stuff. But if you want more complex fifth edition, uh, then you might be interested in the next Kickstarter that Ian Publishing is doing. Um, I don't know if the next one, but like sometime in the next month or so, uh, Russ is doing a. Uh, it's called Level Up Advanced Fifth Edition. Is that coming up pretty quick? Yeah. So like, uh, talk about it. Like hammering out the layout, um, and I, I was I've only actually written. Uh, the planes chapter of the book okay. uh, so just like like eight pages maybe um and he got a huge suite of different writers he wanted to make sure that like he started the whole project last summer when uh a lot of people were like protesting um about the fact that mm -hmm. you know well, <laughs> lots of stuff's yeah. fucked up um yeah. <laughs> and uh, he thought it'd be interesting because like Due to historical reasons, the majority of game designers are white dudes. He's like, well, let's reach out and try to get, like, a diverse writing staff just to, like, make sure we have diverse perspectives. Like, um, and so it has led to some, like, you know, fun little filing off of, like, presumed D&D-isms. Like, hey, the monk doesn't have to be a kung fu guy. Like, you know, change it into the adept who is anyone who can fight, you know, without with his armor okay and then like that just like the small little changes that after they did that when i was working on the zeitgeist uh like setting book the adventures in zeitgeist book that that's like the next 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 thing right um for that i was like oh right i had like 
made kung fu monks in places that didn't really need kung fu monks like what, what kind of like you know martial arts could i involve that like aren't kung fu and like it it, it sponsors them some creativity um nice uh plus uh when writing this, all know I, the savat yeah sorry <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, one of the things was like you know danor is, is sort of a france inspired place and so you get you're gonna have uh the military calisthenics in all the military academies. People learn their, <laughs> their Savat style fighting. Uh, and then Burr is like the country that is a bunch of former like monstrous races, orcs and goblins and uh, maybe kobolds, um, lizard folk and such who were <laughs> who were like ruled over by dragons. They got their freedom and they like are all trying maybe to kobolds. prove to society that like prove to us the world like that we are civilized too. Don't treat us like monsters. And I was like, okay, I got to make sure that like I show this to someone else to make sure like am i am i like am i being woke properly to like <laughs> have tons of stereotypes about like this is what orcs and goblins and everything are and um i think i think it led to like a much more rich writing because like, i mean well, I, and you gave you gave burr a very spanish flavor to it yeah, yeah i liked i liked burr. burr burr was fun for me as, as a place to write also nothing beats having a combat where the party's attacked by a pair of tyrannosaurs um, and if things go well, the, the GM gets to bite a PC with both Tyrannosaurus at the same time and have them rip his arms off. Oh, nice. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, that... Yeah, no, Eric Eric wasn't that lucky. His uh -huh. were turned into chickens. Oh! I, I remember... Al Alec polymorphed. <laughs> now you know where the chicken came from. <laughs> the Tyrannosaurus Rex is behind it all. It's a very confused chicken. Ugh. <laughs> uh. What so, uh, was worse was what was worse was he also also managed to polymorph the um the metal shaper into a chicken. Steel shaper. <laughs> that, Steel shaper turned into a chicken as well. A very confused, angry chicken. By the way, I would. The showdown with him with the train. Oh yeah was amazing oh, amaze balls but i actually got to throw a train at brick it was badass <laughs> oh totally how'd you take it uh well it was brick yeah you know, to the face then like shrugged it off yeah <laughs> took it to the face yeah <laughs> um so it, it, he's a funny part of the story because like brick was a character that uh we started with uh, like i said we started with pathfinder mm -hmm. and uh, in pathfinder they have those background talents whatever they call them and he took the unbreakable mm -hmm. one when when he wrote from the uh, apg when he wrote up the character like and so the uh unbreakable when i translated it into fifth edition like i said i was trying to sell them on all this and make them really love the characters so i want to make sure they had some of the stuff that reminded them of the characters keep central concepts intact at the time, obviously, Fifth Ed had nothing that was looking anything like Unbreakable. So I came up with an idea of making it a, a, a feat or something and made it so that any time he was reduced to zero hit points, he would instead pop up to one hit point. And he perfectly capable, and he could do this a number a number of day at times per long rest uh, equal to his con mod. Okay. I'm just trying to make him very hard to kill, basically. Okay. This became a central feature of the character for obvious reasons. Because yeah. somebody would beat him down and he would get back up beat him down and he would get back up. And one of the interesting things about this with Brick is in the very first adventure when they were facing off against Azerbay. Yeah, you've heard this story, haven't you? I saw you. Yeah, like he, he like goes down and decides to like stay, stay down. Stay down, yeah. Because and he just watched the other PC in front of him get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to play dead. It's all good. Probably a little trauma from that and survivor's guilt and... 
Yeah, and, and, and it happened again a couple, uh, you know, in the Nalasa Hume investigation when they ran into the Lizardmen arsonists. Um, wow, in that yeah, fight, yeah. In that fight, he did the same thing because he decided this was an opportunity to play up a craven aspect of Brick that he that he was ashamed of. He went down, he played dead because he'd been taken down, you know, to zero hit points or whatever. And uh, Magan, who was a character he'd tied his backstory to, who he'd had a relationship with in the past, got nabbed, got knocked out and nabbed like they were going to carry her off. Mm. And so the guilt was too much for him that he almost, you know, cost her. Hmm. Anyway, so like later on when he got to the point where he he had gotten past all this and really started kind of relying on that. So like things like that, like there was a sequence in the tunnel with the, and I'm, I'm jumping around here to stuff and like, guys, if this, if anybody listening is wondering about all this, trust me, the adventure path is worth it. Um, so the, uh, there's, there's the sequence in the subway tunnel with the bomb, right? So we get to this point where in the subway tunnel, the party is the part, parts of the party are done because I get a lot of the party splitting up and different people doing the things that they're good at. So it, it works out real well with an investigative team instead of keystone copying from every single little detail together. Yeah. You know, they kind of, so, and, and Flox recognizes the value of that and is constantly giving orders appropriately. You know, you guys go do this, you go do this, you go do this. So we get to the scene in the tunnel where she's there in front of the bomb and decides she's going to try to defuse it. Uh, Brick is there with her and Dallin is there with her, which is Will's dwarf character. And Dallin's kind of the old, um, old timer kind of world, world weary kind of guy, but he cares about everybody. And for a while, he and Flox kind of had a relationship. Yeah, I know. A gnome and a dwarf. It was never going to work. It got a little screwier when she became his... It's the sixth century, okay? Things... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, be, she, be, she became his commanding officer, and it kind of, you know, she kind of put him on his back foot, you know, kind of put him at arm's length. So here we are in this scene. She's planning to try to defuse this bomb, but they three of them know it could go off, right? So it's tense. She orders him to leave the scene. Hmm to go back upstairs and help make sure people are evacuated, whatever it is she wants him to do. And he refuses. Well, she orders them. Brick refuses and points out that he could be right there to help her. Dallin refuses because he doesn't want to leave her. She gets, she ends up dressing down Dallin a couple sessions later in a really great scene. And, uh, but Brick, she goes ahead and accepts because Brick is the one person who will get knocked down to zero hit points and get back up again. So if one big bang were to take him down, now I put it out to Jason later. I said, now look, there's going to be limits to the reality of this, okay? Yeah. Like, okay, maybe the actual explosion only reduces you to zero points. However, it will also collapse the subway on top of you. And like exactly, the next time yeah, we exactly. had that conversation was in the uh, with the train with the steel shaper. And I was like, we would, it looked like there was a, a roll I was going to hit him with a locomotive. And I was like, yeah. I, I was really. Is there a point at which we have to say you've been crushed by a train? <laughs> <laughs> what his, his feet curl up under the house? And <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. Um, but we didn't know really to get to that. But the best scene of that, by the way, this is purely a feature of the decision I made in the conversion. Right. Mm. The sequence at the um, the island in Danor when they are trying to get to the top. Mm. Uh, it's in the city. What's the name of the city up in the middle of Methia, Danor? The, yeah, uh, Methia. Former capital of the ancient clergy that was cursed into a dead magic zone after the hierarchs of the clergy were responsible for killing the El Elfivarin goddess of women. Yep. Yep. And they are they're they're basically decided they they're going to storm the beach. Yeah. So the uh, the original intention wasn't to do that. The original intention was trying to sneak over there. They got like guards' uniforms, you know, tried to try to head across. Rode they got their hey, shit over. I succeeded. 
They nope. got help. They are trying to attack me. They got challenged, and something <laughs> about the interaction didn't charisma. convince them. So they they, they commanded them to you know head back where they came from, or they were going to open fire. They tried to ignore it. They and got fired they on. They abandoned ship. So they jump out of the rowboat different directions. Um, yeah, like Rich's character actually, you know, he gets he gets aboard. You know, he gets climbing up onto the beach down a little ways, and he claims that he's you know one of them. And you know, I've been I've been attacked. In a horrible French accent. He ends up joining the joining them like. The, like the bad guys, you know, joining the line up there, waiting for his opportunity. While other people go in other places and come aboard the beach in different places, Brick just goes kind of right up the middle. <laughs> he swims straight for the beach, and then he gets up on the beach and starts coming forward. This gives them time. Not only are they shooting at him, and of course, you know, he's 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 a huge powerhouse at this point, so he just tanks it. Yeah, you're you like know. 15th level at that point or something. Yeah, right? and he's coming up the beach, and they're, you know, they're just like, at this point, you figure you got all these Denoran officers that are just loading Gun is just kind of well, you know what's what's with this guy you know why is he not dying <laughs> and um you know that, that scene in a the scene in um what was it uh i think man in the iron mask at the at the tail end of man in the iron mask with um that they did i don't know a few years several years back now but sorry um there's a scene where they decide they're they're cornered and there's been a lot of shooting going on and they've been shot i mean they've like narrowly been shot a couple places and they're the three musketeers and d'artagnan are all kind of trapped behind this you know thing in this mausoleum and uh the guy and this in man in the iron mask it's those characters but they're older more mature more seasoned more legendary mm-hmm. So they, they kind of look at each other and go, well, you know what? These are the people that raised on stories of us. They decide to charge, you know, because that's the legendary thing to do. And you watch it happening as they come rushing around the corner and the unbelieving French officers are sitting there going, what are they doing? And when they start shooting, they're so cowed by this experience that they're closing their eyes and looking away and stuff. And nobody hits anybody, <laughs> you know, is that kind of thing. So so Brick gets up the beach. And, of course, as soon as he gets to the defile in front of the tower, that tank was rolled out there. Yes. With enough time, take a shot. I mean, it's steampunk. Boom. You got to have a dumb, overpowered. It was totally awesome. So tank takes him to zero hit points down, <laughs> gets back up, starts crawling forward. Guy in the tank is losing his shit. Load it again. <laughs> you know, they're reloading. They're as fast as he's, he's moving forward. He's coming at them. Boom. They take him down again. Gets back up. <laughs> he managed to cross the entire distance. Got, got knocked down three times, so he couldn't have taken another hit. Across the entire distance, gets to the tank, looking at them in front of the tank where the, you know, where the gun can't hit him anyway, yeah. and, said, and, and calls on them to surrender. <laughs> White flag right out the top. There's just no way. <laughs> awesome. It was great. We had a really good time with the Zeitgeist campaign. We have a lot of strangely kind of convoluted memories involving it because it went on so long for our group. Yeah. And the the dissatisfaction of having never gotten to finish it. I, I'm pretty confident that uh, with both of these campaigns that I never got to finish, that I'm going to run them again someday. Oof, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a commitment, but I know what I'm getting into this time. Yeah. You know, it'll probably be different group down the line years from now, possibly, but... Um, with, with little yeah. grandchildren and... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. Please, God, no! <laughs> I meant, I meant, oh, yeah, yeah, no, grandchildren yeah. would be great. Great, they'd be great. Um, as long as I really have, they live uh, in another state. <laughs> I mean, I, I really nothing, um, nothing bad to say about the experience of having uh, you know, purchased and run these over the years, though. And I mean, even though I mentioned that you gave me copies of the adventures, I had already t- got them all in PDF and, you know. I mean, like, I, 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 f- I fully empathize, like, um... 
not anything I published, but like I, I definitely had like the final game that I ran with my high school friends when I went off to college was like, okay, cool. It's this great big cliffhanger. I worked with one of the players to be like, you've actually been mind controlled and you're going to like lure them into a dungeon, betray them and strand them there. And then you have a new character. You'll help them break out of the dungeon, rescue your character and save the day. Right. But instead, the player's like, oh, man, you betrayed us. That sucks. You know what? Let's just go watch Austin Powers. And they just like... <laughs> Oh no! And so, like, Ugh. I have a friend from high school somewhere who's just like, "Yep, my favorite character that I had. She uh, was abandoned after, while being mind controlled, and you know, her friends didn't bought, care enough to go save her." That's fantastic. But these, I mean, that's how we make memories, right? Yeah. So it's what a, a lot of a lot of this game is uh, experiences about nostalgia. We have all the all the great experiences these characters to share, regardless. So I like. I hope, I hope that like if you you know get the the new setting book, I like that I make the choice of whether to run old stuff again or run new stuff to be kind of difficult because hopefully the new ideas are still are still pretty fun. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and I look forward to seeing it. Is it all written? Uh, so yeah. So uh, I mean, we're basically just waiting. We have a layout guy who is overworked. Yeah, <laughs> so he can only work on so much at a time. Oh. So I was. I was just gonna say, you know, you need to send some writing more quite my way. I'd love to write something for the Zeitgeist game. Okay. Um. I mean, uh, so, uh, like, I I can I can shoot you an email and like let you know the the vague idea of what's going on. Um. Like yeah. I will say that like you know. We're very optimistic about the the Kickstarter and about Level Up uh, and this Adventures Zeitgeist book, but we are going to look at like the sales, see like whether it does well enough to like warrant putting the money down to like make more adventures. I hope right. it will. I've got some ideas that I like, um, but if it doesn't, then I, don't know. I think it'd be fun to write adventures for it. No. I mean, so like the the idea is that like you know I have like a a general plan for the second and third adventures. Well, I've written the second adventure. Yeah, like a. Uh, a sort of Casablanca-esque city where, like, not quite the Nazis, but basically, like, some, some fascists are about to roll into town, um, and you are trying to, like, get an inventor on your side to help you deal with the fact that a bunch of these bad guys are coming, um, and then there's, you know, drama and tension and spycraft there. And then, that's that's in Cresselier. Mm-hmm. That's right, you're planning on kind of doing one for each yeah. region there. I guess this is a little bit of, I mean, so uh, one of the things that you can do at the end of uh, the whole Zeitgeist campaign is like you can resurrect a bunch of the Eladrin women from L Fiver who died. Oh, cool! Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know if that's a spoiler. That, that that's not that's not a terrible spoiler. But if we, if we manage well, to get to that point, like, it's like it, it is a choice of a thing that you like you could possibly manage to pull off. Right. I decided it like actually well the, me and the two co-writers were like that's probably the most interesting thing to do with L Fiver because like the gimmick of L Fiver is like okay the the country was decimated by a curse that killed nearly all the women and then for 500 years all these elves are like kind of clinging to survival trying to rebuild civilization. Um, and let's resurrect a whole bunch of them. And now, like, rather than being a male-dominated society uh, with a bunch of old people, it's a bunch. It's a woman-dominated society, and like the population's all flipped over, and they're you know able to sort of like drive out the colonizers. And right, yeah, I thought it'd be an interesting dynamic. So cool. Um, anyway, I'm talking on too long. I kept you guys on. No, you're fine. I just I enjoy the chance to visit with you a little bit. We don't get to talk that much, and uh, it's it's good to see not only that you're still you know producing material, but you're producing material that's in line with things that I already love. So I hope you like it. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. Richard said he had a good time with the one year ran at the con. So, so much. What are you guys uh, running these days? Uh, what are we doing right now? What uh, aren't we doing right now? 
Um, I'm actually, we're, we're doing just some, we started playing kind of experimenting with the, the virtual tabletop tools a little bit more than I ever had bothered. And so we've been doing some dungeon crawl stuff. So I can play with the dynamic lighting, things like that. We've been doing that. Otherwise I've been running Savage Worlds, like sci-fi intrigue game. And If you do decide at some point to, to rerun War of the Burning Sky, I believe the fifth edition conversion is on, uh, roll 20. Uh, and you can like get the modules there. And like the guy who's working mm. on it has like packaged all the maps. He has all the stats, like there's tokens. You can just like, you know, good to know that's, that might be, and that might be fun because even, you know, even if, if, even if I have people interested in playing it who were in the original campaign, which I may not because they may not be, want to revisit it, you know, with different characters as if it never happened or something. It, it's tough when people get really attached to their characters. Yeah. Like if people are in the same war twice, that's a psychological condition. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, my players got post-traumatic. I think I might here. have post-traumatic do, stress. Do you from think we could zeitgeist? Oh my god! Right. Do you think we could start that campaign up and end it at the same time the other two did? No. <laughs> no. Oh, did we manage to get flocks in your setting book? Just out of curiosity. You know, I try to remember like I I have so the the monarch is currently a gnome, but it's not flocks. Um because I don't no. think that she would have wanted no. that. No. That wasn't really her, yeah. Like uh I still have a little chance to like add like I I know I made an oblique reference, but I don't know if I actually put like P H L O X. No. The, the flower is P H. She's actually okay. F. Okay. Cool, cool. All right. Thank you for reminding me because I'd feel terrible like you guys running for so long and like, you know, me not Well, you, you asked. I thought that would be a fun, fun one because she's a very dynamic character. And she is. And any of our listeners who ever got into it would, you know, get a kick out of that. But, I mean, it's a big book. <laughs> yeah, um, right. <laughs> like, seriously, like, we, we are, we're, like, doing the sort of collaborative editing on Google Drive, and, like, we had to split it up into five different documents because it was taking too long to load, so. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Been there. Well, Death death of the Author. Yes. It's like, yeah, Death of the Author. Kickstarter uh, link is in the show notes. I really appreciate you joining us today, Ryan. Thank you so very much for coming on and uh, hanging out with us. And it was good to see you. Yes, it's great to see you. I, oh, I, yeah. are, uh, Richard, are, uh, Jonica, are you by any chance going to make it to Gen Con? No, I'm, no, that Eric's doing that. It's a dude trip. Dude trip. Okay, dude dudes getting COVID, just having a great time, going to large crowds. <laughs> no shit, right? Death of the author might be literal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, no. I'm pretty stoked about the Gen Con trip. Uh, going one of our uh, uh, one of our community members here in the area. He's out of the Kansas City area. Um, super. Super nice guy, and he and I have a lot of similar interests in gaming. And um, he comes to Tsunami Con every year, and he would come down for game days and, and things that we did here in Wichita. And uh, yeah, he just he went ahead and, and went to some extra effort. He already gets the VIP package, VIG package every year at Gen Con. Gets a hotel right there at the hotel, you know, rooms. And this year, uh, somebody who not big big surprise, being you know the pandemic and everything, somebody who usually joins him in his hotel room isn't going to be there. So he had the space and asked if I wanted to go. And I just got to drive to his place in Kansas City and then hit, ride with him the rest of the way. And, uh, you know, he went ahead and um, I, I got a press pass, you know, so, I, you know, I'm going to be able to get in and, and enjoy the show. Uh, once you get like a better sense of your schedule, let me know, because like we should arrange it like and, uh, and if nothing else, food and hanging out. But like, right. Know. My I don't I don't know what schedule and Gen Con mean together because I've never been. OK, so and this is going to be a weird Gen Con anyway, because probably get a little smaller and very different yeah 
I'm not signing up for anything. So we'll kind of roll as we get there and, and see what happens. Don't think they're going to be doing the any awards in person, but if they are, you should attend it. It is the awards. Absolutely. Ceremony. Yes. Absolutely. That'd That'll be, neat. be fun. I, I just I'm just looking forward to going. You know, and uh, and meeting up with you. And you know, I've talked to one or two other friends who I haven't gotten to ever meet in person. I mean, at least I was lucky enough to have you down for the the con, the con one year. But and you're going to ask uh, Jonica Rich. Uh, I'm sure get Jason to do. Oh, you're all ask Eric to bring you guys back new dice, right? Oh, oh duh. Yeah. yeah to- oh, yeah, he's well. going to bring me back more than just dice. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to bring, bring us back. Yeah. We have to bring back goodies for the group. Absolutely. I mean, fun. I don't care if all you get the rest of them is a postcard, but you better bring me back more than just some dice. But I know we're I know we're rolling in Wednesday evening, so I'll be there, you know, in time for the whole show. So just you know, let me know what you're yeah, when you're showing uh, up. What you're going in touch, and uh, let me know when the episode drops. And do do we need to like do you a, a formal? You know, this has been Rhinoc. <laughs> That'll work right there. I'll just use that. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to uh, this episode of Metagamers Anonymous. Uh, Everybody have a fantastic evening. My name is Eric. I'm Jonica. I'm Rich. I'm Ryan Nock. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Made it sound official for you. you. I'll have extra music and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'll cut that out entirely. That's not necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. 